hey, just to let you know in this episode, I do mention childhood abuse. So this is just a wee warning in advance. Thanks. Hi everyone and welcome to week 37 of Shaman Talk. I'm Rhonda and I'm your host. And this week is part two of the Blame series that I'm doing. So last week we talked about when we blame others, when we blame external situations. And it was quite a an exciting topic for me because it was a, a very personal project and um, I've gotten really quite a lot from doing that work. But what happened was when I was speaking to some of my students in the Centre for Shamanism online learning portal and I was receiving emails asking me this question, lots of people were talking about self-blame. So I had to kind of dredge my memory a bit. I used to be a chronic self-blamer, but it's been such a long time since I've done that that I really did have to work hard to remember what that was like and how I managed to overcome that for myself. So I just really want to thank you guys who, you know who you are, who mentioned self-blame and brought that up as a potential topic for me for the podcast as an extension to last week's work. That's really great. This is your podcast. I do this to be in service to the people who listen. So if also, if there's something that you guys would like to hear and I haven't spoken about, then please drop me an email and ask me and I'll do it, try and do a podcast on it. <clears throat> I mean, I generally don't talk about things that I haven't experienced myself. I think that that's kind of key to this work is you go through it yourself and then you can share your experience with others and perhaps people might find an inspiration from your own story with it. So this week, I'm really feeling that kind of energy of freedom. So it's Horse Spirit Month. And, you know, the card that I pulled for this month really talked about being free and being free from things. And, you know, bringing up those memories of when I used to be a, um, have an issue with toxic self-blame made me remember how trapped I felt, how frustrated, how confused and how definitely not free that I felt in my life. So this work today really does work well when it comes to finding freedom in our lives. Freedom to be ourselves, freedom to have boundaries, freedom to know when it's okay to take responsibility for ourselves and our own actions and also know when it, it, we shouldn't be taking responsibility for something and that we're in a place of chronic self-blame. So we're just going to bring that energy into the podcast this week, that, that idea of freedom. And then later on, as usual, there'll be a section of a, of a really great activity to do. And I call it an activity, but actually I'm feeling like that's really not the word for it. It's a sacred, ancient sacred ceremony that I'm going to share with you. And I'm sure a lot of you will have heard of it already. Um, so stay tuned for very specific instructions so that you can do the ceremony at home and start to free yourself from the shackles of self-blame. So what is self-blame? Well, I think an overwhelming amount of people routine, routinely experience this kind of feeling, that mild or more complex self-blame. And one of the reasons for that is... Um, problems or issues in our formative years, in our childhood. 
Now, when we move into shaman the shamanic sphere, we can also talk about ancestral problems as well. But today, we're just going to focus on the childhood aspect of um, the driver of one of the hidden drivers of chronic self-blame as as childhood issues. But there are many other issues as well that, that can go, go quite hidden and a lot of childhood issues are actually caused by ancestral issues in the home. But this is a podcast on self-blame, so if I was to go into ancestral family issues, we'd be here for a long time. If anybody has any specific questions about that, then feel free to ask in the Shaman Talk podcast page um, and we can have a chat about it there. And I might even do a podcast at some point on ancestral trauma as well. It's a really interesting subject. So, toxic self-blame. You know, it's that thing of um, we literally blame ourselves for things we didn't do or objectively shouldn't feel responsible for or ashamed about. So, you know, as we talk about toxic, unhealthy, unjust self-blame and its effects, then usually we need to go back to childhood. Usually the, the basis is in there somewhere. So I'm just going to talk about that a little bit from my own experience and from, you know, Psychology 101, and hopefully some of this will resonate. And the reason it's important to talk about the origins of self-blame is that our earthly self, the, the ego part that I love very much, myself, my monkey self that lives here in this body, needs a tether. We need something to hold on to. We need some kind of reason why we have these chronic self-blame issues. So I do find it quite helpful to talk about our childhood experiences but I would encourage everybody not to live in those experiences. You know, those aren't there anymore. And this podcast and the, the um, sacred ceremony that we'll do later really support you to move past those old stories. So it's a case of tethering yourself and your earthly self to the reasons why you feel the way you feel, but then being committed and dedicated to moving past those um, experiences. So that's what we're going to try and do today. So when children experience trauma, whether it's extreme trauma like sexual or physical abuse, or it's more mild, and I say mild in inverted commas because trauma is never mild, but mild are like a lack of attention or parents who are stressed out or emotionally unavailable, although they're still doing their best as parents. Children are often not allowed to feel how they feel. So they're not allowed to feel hurt, angry, enraged, betrayed, abandoned, rejected, whatever it is, they're not allowed to feel some or all of these emotions one of the reasons for that is that it can really bring up the parents issues and they can't deal with the force of those emotions because it's too painful for them um sometimes the parents are just simply too busy or um harassed so children don't receive the proper kind of soothing and mental resolution and understanding of their emotions and their feelings to be able to heal from that moment and move on So with a child who is developing and generally sees the world as revolving around them entirely, things that happen for them will seem like their fault. So if mum and dad are fighting, you think it's your fault. If dad, in my case, if dad's drinking, oh, it was my fault because I was bad and I drove him to do that, I need to try and be better. Um, that kind of thing. What did I do wrong? Why don't they love me? How can I get attention? 
what can I do for that? You know, children just think that everything's about them. And that can start to cause us later in life some real deep-seated issues. On top of that, in our cu culture, especially in Scotland, or especially in the Scotland that I grew up in, which was a very um, poor, deprived area, the child is, children are often explicitly blamed for feeling bad or hurt or angry. So if you'll hear phrases like, oh, what's wrong with you? There's nothing to be upset about. Or um, I'll give you something to cry about. Or you made me do it. Or it doesn't hurt. Or stop making stuff up. Or if you don't stop this behaviour, I'm just going to leave you here. Or um, time out is another one. Um, I mean, working with time out is a whole other podcast in itself but basically when you put your child in time out you're saying I know what you fear most which is to be separated from me so I'm going to put you in a room and shut the door um I mean obviously there's dark and light to everything but it's that idea that you're not allowed to feel how you're feeling as a child in some cases so not only is all of that the opposite of what a child actually needs it makes the child blame themselves for what, for what happened and repress their true feelings so if a child knows that they're not going to get the support that they're looking for and it's going to upset mummy and daddy or it's going to rock the boat, then a lot of children will just start to swallow those feelings down or act out in other ways that seem very unrelated. So things like um, fighting, swearing, having massive unrelated tantrums, you know, things get really big, huge and blown out of proportion because they've got all these feelings inside and have no idea where to put them. And when we've grown up in a household like that, as I did, all of those issues are carried into a person's later life. You know, we're not given the opportunity to address our feelings, know how we feel. We're not taught how to express ourselves, and we're not allowed to feel safe in those emotions. So we swallow them down. And then what we find is that that can then follow people into their adulthood and what I've kind of thought about are six ways um, how self-blame kind of manifests itself in our lives and you may have more more than these but I've tried to be reasonably comprehensive so um, again if there's anything that anybody would like to add or have ins you have an inspiring story that you think might inspire others then you can share that in the Facebook group and I'm sure everybody would love to hear it. So the six ways that self-blame manifests that I've kind of thought about um, and read about and experienced myself and experienced some of my clients are as follows. So number one, toxic self-criticism. And I'm going to go into these in more detail. So toxic self-criticism. Number two, black and white thinking. Number three, chronic self-doubt. Number four, poor self-care or self-harm. Number five, unsatisfying relationships. And number six, chronic shame, guilt and anxiety. So there's a kind of six ways how self-blame manifests itself in our life. So let's go to number one and have a chat about that then. So toxic self-criticism are people who suffer from really unhealthy self-blame and are prone to really toxic self-criticism. So it doesn't matter what you do or how you do it you're blaming yourself, you're criticising yourself for not doing it better, I should have done this or I should have said that or and it's just toxic, it's everywhere, it's in every part of your life and it kind of seeps in and you don't even really know it's there. 
So that kind of happens when a person's been overly criticised, unjustly blamed, and also held up to unrealistic standards when we're growing up. So that was one of the issues that I had, was growing up in a household where nothing short of perfection was acceptable, but perfection could never be achieved. Um, and so then you just kind of internalise these judgments and standards, and now that's how I, that's how I used to... I mean, I've done a lot of healing work myself on this, but that's how I used to see and relate to myself. So I'm not good enough, basically. I, I'm not worthy enough. Um, who's going? So you know, who's going to want to work with me? Who's going to Who's going to want healing from me? I'm I'm just not good enough for this. Like I don't have anything to give. My story is not important. All these toxic self criticisms that come up in that sense of um, that toxic self criticism. And it's false beliefs like these that can be really, really debilitating and, and really do show signs of low and skewed self-esteem as well. And also they, they can come up in various forms of perfectionism as well. So like that idea of having unrealistic and unattainable standards yourself. Um, and this is about self-blame, but that can manifest in your life as well. So like people who everything has to be perfect or it's the end of the world, that's, that's a kind of toxic self-criticism and it may manifest at being angry at other people as well um but usually it's just people who suffer from this and it is a suffer is suffering just simply struggle to get through life if things aren't absolutely perfect and absolutely the way that you thought they should be there's a massive amount of control in there as well so toxic self-criticism is a is a toughie and then number two is black and white thinking. So black and white thinking in this case means that people think in really extremes, really strong extremes, where there's there probably are more than two options um, or an issue is like on a spectrum, but they just don't see it. So like in relation to yourself, because it's about yourself and self-blame, a chronically self-blaming person will probably think, I always fail. I can never do anything right. I'm always incorrect. Others always know better. If something is not perfect, if one thing isn't perfect, then everything is perceived as bad or not good. So it's that black and white thinking. I guess you can also call it catastrophizing. So it's that sense of like, oh, this is wrong, so my life is over and the world ends. So that's another way that self-blame, toxic self-blame um, manifests in our life. Chronic number three is chronic self-doubt. And the word chronic is really important as well. So we all have moments of self-doubt. I certainly do. But I, I don't chronically doubt myself every waking moment, every day. Um, so this there's a spectrum of self-doubt. So, you know, when you're talking about this for yourself, moments of self-doubt that you can overcome are probably good to keep us in check, to keep, to keep us grounded and make sure that we're, you know, staying safe and making good decisions. But when you're in a place of chronic self-doubt that stops you from doing anything, then we, you know, we do need to kind of address that. So am I doing it right? Am I doing enough? Can I really do it? I've failed so many times. I don't think that I can do anything right. <coughs> Excuse me. I mean, I know that sometimes I tend to overreact and think the worst, but maybe this time it's really true. So that's the idea of chronic self-doubt. Okay, so number four 
is poor self-care and or self-harm. So people who lacked care, love and protection when, when growing up often have difficulties caring for themselves. So And people who were taught to blame themselves for being hurt are also prone to taking poor care of themselves. Excuse me. So how that works is like, for example, where a person in their childhood had to take care of others uh, and therefore their needs were not met or their needs were secondary. When people, and this can happen in many different ways. I mean, I remember as a child being forced to be affectionate with adults in my family that I never saw from one year to the next and I was to kiss this uncle or or great uncle or you know be available for this person because they only come once a year and I didn't know them I didn't feel comfortable with them but my needs were always secondary to the visiting adult it didn't make me feel safe and it didn't make me um, it didn't help me to learn that my needs were important what helped me to learn was that my needs were always secondary so I really that was just a really simple thing that happened to me in my childhood with regards to this but you know sometimes that's a lot more chronic so basically what happens is we feel that we're not worth getting our needs met as children and when that happens we tend to blame ourselves because we're children and we think everything's our fault and we move into that unconscious place of like it seems like a punishment for being bad I'm, I'm not good enough to have my needs met um, so yeah what can then happen is that we really struggle to take care of ourselves. we struggle to do the exercise that we really want to do or we struggle to eat the food that we really want to eat it can cause um, us to really struggle with um, doing work on our spiritual path because that's self-care, that's good for us and fundamentally underneath, at the bottom of it all, we don't think that we deserve that. We don't think that our needs are important enough to be met. So then number five um, is unsatisfying relationships. So self-blame can play a really big part in our relationships. At work, they probably make us take on too many responsibilities and be prone to being exploited. So there's that kind of ties into the victim archetype a little bit as well. In romantic or personal relationships, um, people might accept abuse, abuse as normal behaviour or be unable to constructively resolve conflicts or have unrealistic understanding of, of what a healthy relationship actually looks like. So kind of other related problems that we might come across with this part of self-blame are things like codependency, people-pleasing, learned helplessness, which again ties into the victim archetype of the drama triangle, um, Stockholm, Stockholm Syndrome, which is quite severe, obviously, and also poor boundaries and the inability to say no. And, um, you know, I have a whole set of opinions about how we can redefine our boundaries as strong independent women but the first thing to know is that um it exists and also another thing that people do within this area of self-blame is self-erase so blend into the background don't put themselves forward 
And with the work thing as well, that's what I find really interesting is that when you are in a place of self-blame and you're, you take on too many responsibilities because you're looking for external validation, you're looking, you're looking for somebody else to tell you that you are worthy and that everything's okay. And this actually goes for... So I'm talking about this in terms of work because this is what I used to do. I was an accountant, had a, a successful career, relatively speaking, um, and I I was prone to this until later and later in my career when I learned to say no. And people take advantage of that. They know when you can't say no, and they hone in on that. And actually, it is the same, especially in romantic and personal relationships as well. We have friends who take advantage, or partners who take advantage because they know that we just can't say no and that we will blame ourselves if things go wrong and that idea of being unconstructive and unable to resolve conflict the reason that we struggle with that is because we don't know how we're actually feeling we don't we've never been taught to work with our feelings and work logically through how we feel to a conclusion and we don't ever think that it's ever anybody else's fault and often this can result in quite strange outbursts of anger as well so that's quite a that's quite a juicy subject that that, that sense of um, self blame within relationships and ex- accepting abuse abusive behaviour as normal behaviour and actually there's a spectrum there as well so you know we know the terrible chronic awful abuse that happens in relationships with emotional sexual and physical abuse. And it happens that usually the victim doesn't realise there's anything wrong and thinks it's all their fault. And I've been there myself, so I know that that exists. But that's quite severe. It can happen in other ways as well. Things like, um, just in little ways, like, for example, I'm just trying to think of an example here, um, where you have a tendency to blame yourself for your inability to um, keep your house clean for example sorry that took me a bit of thinking there to <clears throat> to draw that out of my brain but yeah, this sense of like oh I'm terrible because I can't keep my house clean everything's a mess but you forget that you have a full time job and three kids and a husband who is relative, potentially relatively ineffective and doesn't support you so all you see is the fact that your house is a mess but you miss the fact that you're carrying so much weight in your life that the fact that you're functioning at all is a miracle so I see that quite a lot so kind of like start to open yourself up to that idea that maybe it's okay if your house is a mess and maybe it's okay if you don't manage everything all the time and maybe it's okay if things are not perfect I went off on a wee tangent there but you know that's what kind of comes out sometimes which is fine so then number six Chronic shame, guilt and anxiety. That is a big one. People with a tendency to self-blame often struggle with an overwhelming or otherwise or otherwise um, kind of really painful and intrusive emotions. So the most common emotions or mental states are shame, guilt and anxiety. But we can also feel lonely, confused, lack of motivation, aimlessness, paralysis, overwhelmed or a constant kind of sense of being alert. So and th- these feelings are really closely related to overthinking and catastrophizing. 
where the person lives in their head more than they're consciously present, kind of in their external reality. So those, that shame, guilt and anxiety, those are such big topics, but we all really suffer from those, like anxiety, guilt and shame were my very close friends for a very long time. And it did take some hard work and some inner work and some support from a spiritual team and excellent, um, an excellent physical support system here on earth, on the earth plane for me to really start to release that. But one of the first things I had to realise was that it existed and that it wasn't my fault. You know, my shame, guilt and anxiety came from ineffective parents and a very unhappy childhood. That's not, that's, there's no blame there. That's just what happened. My parents did their best and I don't blame them. There's no blame. We'd remove the blame. So that's like last week's topic. But we also don't need to blame ourselves. All we need to do is find a way to start working through it. So, in summary, I guess, you know, having a um, kind of a childhood, an ineffect, you know, a kind of ineffective parental presence, stressed out, busy, not not bad in any way, you know, that, that just happens sometimes, but that's okay. But it does mean that we need to look at that as an issue for us, that it needs to be processed and it needs to be brought out into the light. So having a wanting or otherwise traumatic upbringing makes us prone to self-blame, which is only one of the many effects that's, that these childhood issues have on us. I'm not saying that um, you have a traumatic upbringing and all that you get from it is self-blame, but it is one of the major factors, I think. And I do think if it's unaddressed and fully unresolved, then the tendency to self-blame gets carried like throughout your entire life and will manifest itself in emotional, behavioural, personal and social problems. So problems like, you know, low self-esteem, chronic self-criticism, irrational thinking, lack of self-love and self-care, unhealthy relationships and feelings like toxic shame, guilt and anxiety. But when we start to look at these issues and identifying them and their origins, then we can start working towards overcoming them. And what you get from that is a freedom that I just can't describe. An inner peace. I mean, it's kind of corny, really, but it's true. That sense of, like, peace, calmness, freedom. You know, it's just so amazing. It's so great. So what I'm going to do next in the um, ceremonial slash activities part of the podcast is I'm going to introduce a ceremony that you can do to really start to work with these childhood traumas. But it's very safe and it's in a way that we don't need to get into the story. We don't need to be re-traumatised. We don't need to be a, we don't need to be getting hung up on the story. But we just acknowledge it and then we move into ceremony to help us to start to release some of these issues for ourselves. So now is the time... If you don't already, pop off and get yourself a pen and paper. All the information, as always, will be available in the show notes, centreforshamanism.com forward slash 37, for people who don't want to write it down. Or forget, pop off and get yourself a pen and paper, and I'll see you back here for our ceremony this week. 
Okay, welcome back everyone. So this week we are going to work with self-healing through the art, the ancient art of Ho'oponopono. And this week we're specifically going to concentrate on our inner child. Okay. So a lot of you will have heard of Ho'oponopono and you may have worked with it before, um, which is wonderful. But I do recommend that after listening to this podcast, you take some time and you do this ceremony. Especially if this podcast resonated with you. If there's nothing about this podcast that resonates and you don't feel like you're in that space, then it might be nice for you to do this work anyway with your inner child. Um, just to see if there's anything that any work that needs done there. It's a really kind thing to do for yourself. So the basic steps, and these are all available in the show notes at centreforshamanism.com forward slash 37. Um are as follows okay so number one we need to find ourselves some music that we can play for this ceremony and i've put a link on the show notes for you for the song that i use at the moment when i'm doing ho'oponopono work with my in my workshops and with groups and clients so the link's there for you and then you can repeat the, the music's quite short but you just put it on repeat for a longer experience and i recommend really trying this for at least 10 minutes and up to as much as 30 minutes if you can if that feels right for you but you can also build up to this over time as well. And for those chronic self-doubters out there or those people who are feeling like they're not going to manage this, this is the simplest ceremony that you can ever do and you can't get this wrong, honestly. You'll be fine. Just trust your inner knowing. Just trust your guides. Everything's going to be okay. So number one, find yourself some beautiful music. And then number two, we're going to set our sacred space. So if you're not sure what this means, then check out my free introduction to shamanism training. There's a link in the show notes to that. And that's a way for you to learn how to work with your guides, find your spiritual team, set up sacred space, work with intention. And I do recommend that if you've not done that class and you don't know how to journey or work with guides, then go and you know spend some time and do that course. And it will really open you up to a lot of the things that I'm talking about. It's absolutely free. It's two hours long. You'll get all the guiding principles of shamanism in there and it will really support you with this work. So go ahead and join that if you haven't already. So that's number two, setting your sacred space for this work. So number three, once you've set your sacred space, then go ahead and play your music and use the repeat function so that you can go as long as you wish without being disturbed. You know, Spotify's got that function on there. And then number four, we're going to start taking some deep breaths and really feel yourself landing in the space. We're connecting with our guides. And again, if you don't know how to do that, check out the free training. And what I'd like you to do in this moment while the music's playing is I really want you to commit to leaving your daily cares at the door. Okay, You don't need your daily cares. You think about them all the time and they'll just get in the way. Ask your guides to hold them safely for you. They'll be there when you get back. You really don't need them where you're going, okay? So really commit to that. If it helps to use a visualisation technique, like seeing them just held in a bucket at the door or something like that, then go ahead and do that as well. But really commit to letting go of those cares. Okay, so when you're feeling connected um, to your, your breath and you feel like your daily cares are released, even just a little bit, then we're going to ask our guide, our guide or guides, to connect us with our inner child. So ask yourself, 
Where do you feel that in your body? How do you feel? Notice the feelings that arise in you, the emotions that arise in you. And you might get uncomfortable, you might get emotional, or you might feel resistance to the work, and that's all okay. But we're going to do it anyway. If you've got stuff like that coming up, that's a really good sign that you're that you're properly connected and you're properly connected with the material that you're going to work with in this ceremony. So just observe. Don't worry about doing it wrong. Just put that in the bucket with all the feelings. Like, we're not doing that today. We're trusting the divine holding of the universe. The only way that this work will really support you is if you just say, I'm doing it. I'm just going to do it. Okay? Great. And then number six, when you feel connected, even if you don't feel connected or you're not sure, then just begin anyway. And we begin by repeating these words. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. And what I'd like you to do is repeat those words in whatever way works for you, whether it's in your head or out loud. You can have your eyes open and read them off a, off a piece of paper if you're like me. And I've been doing this for years, but with my ADD, I just can't keep words in my head. So I tend to just have a piece of paper in front of me and read off it, which is absolutely fine. If you can do it with your eyes shut, then go ahead and do that. And really feel the words resonating through your body as if you were talking to your inner child. And what's really important here, guys, is that you don't need to know the details, okay? You don't need to know the details of what material you're working with or what specific traumatic event you're working with. It doesn't matter. In fact, it'll get in the way. We have a need in this culture to know everything. But when we're doing ceremonies like this, sometimes we don't get to know and we don't need to know. So I really want you to commit to feeling those words flowing through your body and just allow the magic of the words to flow through okay so continue with this process until you feel a sense of completion i recommend a minimum an absolute minimum of five minutes but ideally 10 minutes or more i said that earlier but i'm just going to repeat that the longer that you can do it in one sitting the deeper the work will be and if you get to an uncomfortable point where you're like oh i can't do this anymore maybe this is me done try and push through that try and push through that use your breath you know, calling your guides and just keep going. And when you feel kind of, even as a very light, lighter sense of peace or a, just a slight sense that that might be you done, then listen to that intuition, close the space, you know, finish, say thank you and close your space. And again, closing space is super simple. It's just a case of blowing out your candle or switching off the music and giving thanks to your guides and thanks to your inner child. Okay, and then what I'd like you to do, if you can, and it's safe for you to do so, then go ahead and go outside for, for a few minutes in nature and just feel your feet on the ground, um, feel the wind on your face, feel nature bringing you back and really grounding you. If you can do this outside in nature, that would be great as well, actually. That would be a really nice way to do this work if you have a garden or access to a balcony or something like that. Um. Yeah. So that is the process of recapit uh, recapitulation. Sorry, <laughs> Freudian slip of the tongue. I do love recapitulation and it is another really good way to work with self-blame. Maybe I should add it in, seeing as I said it. So this is this beautiful ceremony, Ho'oponopono. All of those steps in detail are on the show notes, okay? 
I would like you to commit to not worrying about getting it wrong. I'm saying this over and over again today. I do feel like it's really important to hammer the point home that, you know, follow the steps, do the introduction to shamanism workshop so you've got the guiding principles. If you have your own guiding principles already and you're feeling confident, brilliant, go ahead and do it. But if there's any doubt, because we have this podcast all about that, isn't it? Self-blame, self-doubt, you're not good enough, am I going to get it wrong? This is the time to say I've had enough and I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to give this a try. And I know you can do it. And I absolutely feel that for you. Okay, so remember that sacred sharing is a really important part of the process. We never need to share anything that we're not comfortable sharing or is confidential or we're just not, we just don't want to share. That's absolutely fine. But by sharing experiences in the Shaman Talk Facebook group, you know, it's a really safe space. We don't allow unsolicited advice. We only use I language as in I, this is my experience. You know, we don't allow you shoulds, you should do this or you should do that. It's just not a safe way. So you can share in that group with the knowledge that if anybody oversteps the mark then the, myself and my admin team will be there to make sure that you're held safely in that and we don't we just don't allow it and actually the culture of the, the group is really beautiful and you just people just don't seem to do that anyway naturally so I'd encourage you to go into the group you know usually actually not every week but usually I've got a competition running just to win a one-to-one session with me and the reason that I do that is because, you know what, I know that it takes time to go into the Facebook group and share your experience with people you don't know. And I really appreciate it when people do that. So I'm trying to create an incentive for you to think that that might be a good idea for you to get in the group and start to share your experiences. Helps you, helps other people, it helps the flow of the community and the tribe. So if you're really feeling that you don't want to, that's fine. But if you're a wee bit like, mm, maybe I could do that, then I would really love to to hear from you in that group and we'll put the link if you've not joined we'll put the link in the show notes as well for you okay so as ever thank you so much for listening um i did mention recapitulation accidentally and recapitulation is also a really good way to work with um your childhood issues if you like i've done a whole podcast on that that's episode 16 of the of shaman talk so if recapitulation is something that you do already, then good on you. Keep doing it. Keep keep plugging away. If it's something you've not heard of before, it's a really magical, really simple way to start to release ourselves from the emotions of the past that shackle us. So go ahead and check out episode 16 if you'd like to add another technique to your arsenal. So have a great week, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. I love you all very much. I'm... Yeah, I'm just always really grateful to everybody who listens to this podcast and people who who, who resonate and, and get things from it. And I just want to really thank, in this moment, my guides. A lot of the things that I say just come out of my mouth from the guides. And, you know, without my spiritual team, this wouldn't work. So I'm so grateful to Spirit. I'm so grateful to my guides. And I'm so grateful to this connection and communion that we have together in Shaman Talk and in the Facebook group. So much love, everybody. Have a wonderful week and I'll see you same time, same place next week.
thank you so much for listening to this podcast I really appreciate it if you're loving the messages and loving listening to this podcast then pop over to centreforshamanism.com forward slash subscribe and sign up to our mailing list